Okay. Okay. Um, I see we have a new person. You're welcome, Jidal for Akune. You're welcome. Okay. Um, our scripture focus for today is um, Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three, from verse one to seven. It's a short read, but. Um, There's a lot, but I'll try my best not to um, for it to be too long because we still need to pray. And while while I was studying for this um, early this morning, um, I began to ask God, like, okay, what what um, what are you saying concerning this? Um, because sometimes when we, this is a scripture um, I've read before, not once, not twice, in times, and I understand it. But we understand that, you know, each time you read scripture, and if God leads you to a place because he's saying something through that scripture. And it is wise not to assume that you know it. You know, it is wise to always ask, okay, God, what are you saying? here what are you trying to say through this now and there was one thing he was pointing at um while i read this and that thing is self self um well let's just go into it let's read it let's read it um second Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1 to 7. Today I will use the King James Version and also the New King James. So I'll move between the two. Um, so he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For many shall be lovers of their own selves, virtuous boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of these sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. And the last verse, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. So, let me quickly also just go through it in the New King James so that we also have that perspective. 
It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Take note, in the other translation we read, the second thing that was mentioned was covetous. Here it says lovers of money. We'll talk about that. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away for this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, um, like I said earlier, I wanted to know the heart. I know what the scripture is saying is kind of, um, let's say, self-explanatory. But again, I wanted to get the heart and the mind of God you know, speaking on self, self-preservation. Because the first, you notice that the first thing that was mentioned here, of course, it says perilous times shall come, which is dangerous times, difficult times, times that um, things will be difficult. It will be a time where to, you know, um, you might not be, people might not be able to bear the times, you know. Um, and when in those times, already then now says for men that is people shall be lovers of themselves so you one thing you ask yourself is why did this start with this one why did this start with lovers of themselves the other one says lovers of their own selves so that was where he you know he puts the pin he pinned it and said this is what I'm hammering at self. And then I began to write, you know, um, self, self-preservation. And you realize that it is self, that thing, lovers of themselves, that leads to the other things mentioned in this passage. Um, if you really think about it, every other thing mentioned there is propelled by self means people will become self-focused. People will elevate self over God. Hence, the flesh and the fleshly nature or the carnal nature will be maximized. And just as the vehicle to God is the spirit, the vehicle to self is the flesh. Do we get that? Do we agree or do we get that? Hello, do we get that? Yes. Okay. Okay, so, um, so take note that you see, when you look at our walk with God, right? 
when a person is in the world and God comes for the person, you know, the things that the thing that might stop the person from, you know, the Satan might use to hinder the person from coming to God might be okay, the influence of the world and different things. When you overcome that, you overcome maybe you begin to deal with Satan. Satan begins to attack. When you overcome Satan, the next thing is flesh, right? The carnal nature, which is always there. That's why Paul always tells us that walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. The flesh is there, but there comes a time that, you know, Jesus said, if any man desires to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So if you're now able to, okay, tame the flesh and you through discipline and through the help and the grace, through the grace of God, but also discipline ourselves. When you come to that point, you realize that the, 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 would I say the last phase or the, the last enemy, right, is self. Self. And if you check the story of, if you see how Satan tempts people from Adam and Eve, even to when to, to, to the temptation of Jesus, you find out that Satan never tells anybody, look at me, come and worship me. He uses self. He uses self. He told Eve, he said, um, okay, when he asked her, did God tell you not to eat of any tree? And she said, oh, God said we should not eat of this tree. We should not even look at it. And day we shall eat it, we shall surely die. What does he say? He says, no, it is not so. Ye shall not surely die. And that says, for in the day you eat it, God knows that. God knows that the day you eat it, you shall be like him. You see, his focus is not him. His focus is the person he's trying to tempt, trying to exalt self over God in the person's heart. That's how he tempts, because that was the way it is through self that Satan fell. So that is, he's the, he's the one, he's the pioneer of that pathway, that pathway of self. So that is the way he he uses to also tempt man. So he tells her, they shall eat it, shall be like God, knowing good and evil. And then Eve, right? She looks at it. Scripture says that she saw three things. She saw that she desired, she looked at it and she desired to eat it. That's lost of the eyes. And then she saw that it was desirable and good for food, lust of the flesh. And then she said, he also says that she also saw that it would make her wise. Again, she was trying to be wise outside of the uh, 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 confines of God, outside of that which God had provided for her or for them. Let me see, for them. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And scripture says that these three things are not from the Father. So you can see that he used self. The same thing when he came to Jesus. The first thing he said, if you are the son of God, turn the stones into bread. Two things there. First, prove yourself. Prove that you are the son of God. Show yourself. Uh -uh. Show you are the son of God. Show yourself. 
The second thing is what? Help yourself, self-preserve. You are hungry. You have the power. Since you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. So preserve yourself. Why are you here being on? But Jesus said one thing. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So you see that he uses self. Go and check, even go and check the, everything. You will see that he never sit and never comes and say, worship me. Okay, even when he now, the second thing, even when he now, um, went further with Jesus and said, um, what was the second thing? He said, he took him to the, uh, depending on which uh, account, whether Luke or Matthew, took him to the pinnacle of the temple, right? And he said, jump. Jump. Show yourself again that, you know, says, isn't it written that the angels will take who take charge of you, they shall obey you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. If you do this thing, it's like if you do this thing, people believe that you're the son of God. Jesus said, oh, thou shalt not tempt the Lord, your God. The last thing he said, what? Took him to the highest point of the mountain and said, look, all these things, this, this, the glory, all you have to do is what? Worship me. Now, even that, eh, even before he says worship me, you realize that he presented an opportunity for glorification unto Jesus. Again, self-glorification. Right? Self-glorification. So Satan is mindful of the things of the flesh. When Jesus rebuked, you know, when Peter, we know that part when Peter said, took Jesus aside, when Jesus said, oh, I will soon, I will have to die on the cross. Peter took him aside and, and, and said, no, you will, you, shall, you will not die. And Jesus rebuked, said, get thee behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful, he says, for you are, you, are, you are not concerned about the things of God, but only of the things of man. So you realize that Satan is, concerned about the things of the flesh because remember that when God made man, right, he made him in his image and likeness. So there was nothing like the things of man. It was the things of God that man was concerned about. There was no way like the, the way of the flesh for man. It was, he was just concerned with the things of God. It was Satan that introduced that economy of the flesh to Adam and Eve. And when they disobeyed God, they fell to that economy, to that ecosystem. So that now has become the way of man. The way of man is also the way of the flesh. And that's what Satan is concerned about. So you realize the last enemy huh? in completely following God Self. That's why Jesus said that thing that he said, that if any man desires to follow me, let him what? 
deny himself. First, deny himself one. says, take up his cross. Because the way to crucify the flesh is the cross. And I said that what self uses to get glory is flesh. Right? So you see God, you see Jesus dealing with the two things in that, in those, in that statement. Before he says, follow me, he says, deny yourself. Then he now says, crucify the pathway, the, 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 the tool that self will use to actualize glory, which is the flesh. Now says, crucify it. Before he now says, and he says, carry your cross daily and then follow me. I don't know. Am I making sense? Or is it making sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, it's making sense. Okay. Um, so, like I said, self is the, is the propeller, is what propels every other thing that is mentioned here. That's why you see it starts with that. It says, for men will be lovers of themselves. Because men will be lovers of themselves before it now moves to all, all other things. Because all those other things are as a result of focusing on self. There's nobody that truly follows God. You cannot follow God and also follow self. It's not possible. You have to choose one. And depending on which one we choose, it's going to bear a certain kind of fruit. If we follow God, what will come out is selflessness because Jesus Christ portrayed that. Jesus Christ showed that in his life, right? You can see his life, selfless. And if you see Jesus, you know, I, I always tell people that when you look at Jesus, eh, you realize that we didn't actually see, we didn't actually know the real Jesus through his life in scripture. Why do I say so? Because he said, I did not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He says, I only do that which I see my father do. So all those healing the sick, raising the dead, everything, it is said that, it can be said that it was the father in the person of Jesus doing all of that. So Jesus' will wasn't seen at all. The only time we saw it was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass over me. Nevertheless, in says, not my will, but your will be done. That was the only time that we saw a glimpse of Jesus' will. The rest, everything Jesus did was the Father's will. That's a complete picture, a perfect picture of what selflessness is. So the next thing, you see that the next thing that is mentioned is if you go, if we go by the King James, the second thing that's mentioned is covetous. So lovers of themselves, covetous. And to be covetous is, 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 is for one to have or show a great desire to possess something belonging to someone else. 
in the New King James, it says lovers of money. And when I saw this, I was like, okay, how does this? In this one, it says covetous. In this one, it says lovers of money. And then understanding begin, began to come into my mind or my heart. Since which I understood that this money, if we go by the New King James, where it says lovers of money, you realize that this money that these people, this, that men or people will become lovers of, right? It's not the money that they have. I don't know if I'm saying that right. So the money that they love or that they'll become lovers of is not the money that they already have, but that which they desire to have or lost after. And it's always that which belongs to another. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you repeat that again? Okay. So I was trying to put the connection between what King James said. King James said the second thing was covetous, which I uh, I defined it wanting design strongly design something that is not yours. New King James says lovers of money. Lovers of I believe that New King James only took a portion of covetousness because you can covet, you know, someone's property, you can covet someone's wife or someone's husband, you can go, you can covet, you know, possession, you can covet money. So it says lovers of money. And I said, you realize that this money that scripture is talking about, the New King James version is talking about this, the, that this money that this that men or people will become lovers of is not the money that they themselves already have, but it is that which they do not have. Is that which so is that which they do not have that they desire or lust after? Right? It's always it's always the money that is not yet in their hands. It's the money that belongs to another. So, for example, someone sees, um, for record, I don't want to call any name, but someone sees a very wealthy man, known wealthy man, and says, Ah, my God, when when you bless me, you see his eyes in wealth. Ah, his eyes in that world is designed to have money. And then because of that, he begins to say, God, why are you, why is my life like this? And begins to complain. It's because of these things. Check, it's because of these things that people go into ritual, you know, um, ritualism or um, different things, you know, fraud. Because of the love of money. Even scripture says that the love of money is what? Is the root of all evil. The love of it. So, is that clear? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was clear. Uh, okay. Okay. You're welcome. So, um, that Part it's in I think it's in First Timothy chapter six ten where it says, "For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which and see what it does." If you read that scripture, it says, "For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness." Do you see? Do you see that it is is telling us that scripture is telling us the cause of their love for money. 
says his greediness, his greed. And when someone has greed, it's because they are not satisfied with the one they have. They want, they always want more. They always want more. And it says, because of this, it says, some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So when you look at what covetous again, and you look at whenever somebody operates in covetousness, meaning that they are not satisfied with what they have, or would I say what God has given them? Or the pathway God has set for them. So they seek more outside of the economy of God's grace and provision. And that is they seek what belongs to another. So I you know this is why for a believer, right? Above every other thing, above everything is the will of God and the counsel of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, which ultimately he gives, he reveals the will of God. So let me cap it with the will of God for the believer. The most important thing is the will of God because somebody might not really have at a particular point in their life. It's not that they're not, you understand, it's not that they're being lazy, right? It's not that they're being, they're actually doing their best as, you know, but at that point in time, God might not release wealth because at that point in time, it's not wealth they need. Maybe at that point in time of their life, it is, it is pruning, it is training, it is growing in him. It is setting those foundations that is needed because money, when money, money has its own spirit, all these things have their own. It is good when it is God that it, gives you that's why it says god that make it rich uh it's god that gives the power to make wealth it's god that make it rich that added no sorrow right meaning outside of god people of course people people can make wealth and they, many people have shown us that you actually do not need god to make money <laughs> you don't need god to make money there are principles that you follow and you get money, people get money and get wealth from different, you know, means. But for the believer, you see, with God, it is not just result, it's not just the goal. God is also, God is also um, concerned. In fact, he's more concerned in how you get results. It's not just result. Also, how you get results. Because for his own, he will not give, he doesn't give his own something that might end up making them perish or, or something that is greater than what they can handle. For example, if you give 20 million to a 10-year-old, that's not a blessing, that's a curse. You are killing that child because at that age, he's, he doesn't have the capacity to handle 20 million. What's he doing with 20 million? He doesn't have the capacity to handle such. And these things, it's not just, you see, this principle is not just in money. It's in different things. It's in knowledge. It's in wisdom. It's in anything that you can amass. 
Because you can amass wealth, you can amass knowledge, you can amass wisdom, you can amass, you understand, a certain knowledge. Right? That's why if you now go back to the beginning, the tree, there were two trees that, that were in the middle of the garden. One was the tree of life, and the other one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I believe that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in itself was not evil, but the instruction was do not eat from this tree. So it was not even the fruit itself that caused the fall. It was man disobeying God. Right? The power is not in... So if God says, don't do this thing, I might think that it is because of is that thing that the, 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 okay, God says, don't do this thing. If you do this thing, you fall. Now, the consequence of falling might not, it's not always, it's not always in that thing. Many times, not always in that thing that God says you should not do. It's in breaking, is in going against his instruction. Because we all know that the word of God is life. Remember, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Am I, I don't know. Am I making sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. Okay. Okay. So, understanding that the word of God is also life, because Jesus, by that statement, also told us, Man shall not live. That is, man shall not continue in life by bread alone, because bread represents the food that you need for your physical body, because we are, we are both physical beings and spiritual beings. So you need the food for this body, for the flesh. But then there's another part of us, which is the real us, not this body. You know, that part, he says, that we need the proceeding word of God, the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, whenever, whenever God, at different points in time, right, different phases of people's life, there is the will of God. Scripture says there is time for everything under the sun. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to mourn, time to celebrate. When you look at, if I, if I, take, if I take the life of David, right? Before he became king, there was a time, you see, all that time in the wilderness, or on that time on the run, was a time of training. Why didn't God just take him straight to the throne? After all, he was anointed the new king. But you see, one thing you know about God is that when he chooses a person, his own, his own, he will always take them through process because through that process is what he, he, he equips them with what they need to carry what he wants them to carry. Is it, is it an anointing? Is it wealth? Is it 
knowledge all according to his purpose. Because remember, the first man did not go through process. The first man didn't go through process. Adam came as a full-grown man. Wow. That was a pattern. Adam came through as a full-grown man. And you see that he, I don't want to say he was naive, but he fell, basically. The second Adam, who is Christ, when he came, he didn't come as a full-grown man. Bible says that he humbled himself. He came as a baby. He went through the natural process of conception. Through the womb of a woman, was given birth. He grew stage to stage from a child, a teenager, you know, even to an adult. He didn't skip those processes. So Jesus had 30 years of accurate living even before he started his ministry. Ministry just for three years. So the second, the second Adam, who is Christ, went through that process. I'm just saying all this to hammer on the fact, or the buttress of my point about, you know, for God, um, when he chooses a person, his own, he takes them through processes. Because for different phases of their lives, they will need different things. There's a phase, maybe it's not, what the person needs is not money. What the person needs is training, is, is, is to learn how to be humble, is to learn how to be patient, is to learn how to love. In another phase of their lives, what they need is what? is to, sometimes it's to go through hardship because in, it's in hardship or it's in some things that a wisdom is given. And then they come to the phase, maybe by the time it comes to the phase where God wants to give them that which they need, you find out that they have, he has, for, a lack of, for, for the lack of a better word, he has cooked them. They've been cooked. So when he drops that which, right? When he drops that which he wants to give them, they are able to carry, they have the capacity to carry it. But let me go back to what, what we are talking about. So um, also when you look at other words that are related with covetous or covetousness, you will find the words greedy, selfish. Again, it is all about self. It's all about self. Remember I said it is self that propels every other thing that is written there. And the opposite is to be satisfied. If you check the opposite of covetous, is to be satisfied. Scripture says uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So the opposite is to be satisfied. But this satisfaction, now, here's the thing. This satisfaction, right? It is it, not a satisfaction. This satisfaction doesn't just come from what one has, but it comes from a place. It comes from the one being rooted 
in God. I'll say that again. So when one is truly satisfied, right, they're not covetous. For one to not be covetous is not, or to come to this satisfaction or contentment, it's not that they are satisfied in themselves because that one too is still self. In another way, still self. But they are satisfied in the provision that they have in God. They are satisfied in God. Because they are taking root in God. The only, the, the only reason why I would, I would be envious of what another person has or be covetous of what someone is because I'm not satisfied with the one that God has given me. Be it, like I said, be it money, be it um, possessions or anything, even knowledge, even, you know, when one is not rooted in God, when one has not found their place in God, has not rooted in God, little things can shake them and they begin to look outside thinking that the grass is greener on the other side. So they begin to convert. So like I said, this satisfaction is not satisfaction in self, but satisfaction in God, in them being rooted in God, knowing that um, all, knowing that all that they are and all that they will ever be is in God and God is enough for them. They understand that everything is in God. So as they're in God and they have God completely, they understand that they actually have everything. And depending on the will of God for each season, God will dispense to them. They trust, that's where trust comes in. So they trust that God at every point in time of their life, that God will dispense. God will, 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 will make provision for that which they need. So they don't need to look outside of the economy of God's grace and provision. But self, but when self, right, is the focus, when self is the focus, you realize that the flesh, which I said is the vehicle to self, is what, this, is what self uses to actualize its own glory, flesh. Realize that flesh is never truly satisfied. It always wants more. Its lust is unquenchable and keeps increasing as it is being fed. And when it doesn't have, it begins to lust and desire that which is not its own. And even it is prepared to get that which it wants by any means necessary, especially means outside of the confines of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Is that, is that do, do I say it again, is it clear? What I just said. Yes, it is clear. Okay, okay, okay. Awesome. So, the goal of self, right, is pleasure. The goal of self is pleasure. You, 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 you realize that the reason why the reason why somebody, right? The reason why people want to have plenty money 
right? If you check, the reason why many people want to have plenty of money is because they want to satisfy their pleasures. Because money is not a consumer good, right? It's a capital good. We use it to get other things. It's a means to get other things. So the more of it you have, is assumed the more of it you have, the more things you can get. So it's actually used to fulfill, to, to uh, fulfill a desire. So the goal of self is pleasure. But this pleasure is not the pleasure of God, but the pleasure of self. And we know that the end, scripture says that the end of flesh is corruption and death. Says if you sow into, if you sow into the flesh, you reap corruption and death. But if you sow into the spirit, you reap life and peace. So the end of flesh is corruption and death. Death here means separation from light, separation from life, separation from love, and separation from God. Which all of these that I've mentioned, they are all in God. Light, life and love that's what true death is because that's the death that happened ultimately to lead to you know destruction of you know like dying physically but that's not the that's not the real death if not um when a person dies right that would be the end but you realize that when a person dies they will go and continue their journey either in heaven or in hell isn't it? So you realize that death is not the, the um, seizure of, you know, this our life here. It's actually separation from God. Total separation. You know, because in that place, there's no hope. There's no, there's nothing. So that is true death. Um, so, um, like I said, the goal of, the goal of self is pleasure and, you know, this pleasure is pleasure of self. And, the, and like I said, self is this flesh and the end of flesh is corruption and death. Now I want to read this. I want to read to also show you, um, these things that I'm saying. I want to read James chapter four, quickly read James chapter four. From verse 1 to 5. I'll try and, because we still need to pray. So I'll try and round up in the next 25 minutes. God helping me. James chapter 4. From verse 1 to 5. It says... Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members, that is in your body. Remember, goal of self is pleasure. Ultimately, self-glorification or self-exaltation, but it's still is that self, that self-exaltation or self-glorification brings pleasure to self. So the, the end, the goal is pleasure. So do they not come 
from your desires for pleasure that war in your members. Verse 2 says, you lost and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask and miss that you may spend it on your pleasures. And it says, oh, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? So the reason why every scripture is to also buttress my point of what it says, you see that in verse four of that passage where it says, oh, adulteress, says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? As I read it, I began to realize that this was also telling us the root and the cause of some of these things. I'm saying as, as believers, is a fellowship, a bonding, a union has occurred between the person and the ways and the patterns of the world. Due to them not being rooted in their God, and this brings first the contamination and then eventually it causes a hard shift from God to that which the world exalts, and that is self. Should I read that again? Yes, you can read okay. again. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Okay, let me let me read that again. Um, so I said when I read verse four, where it says, you know, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? I realized that I began to think about it. Okay, I realized that it's it's also telling us the root cause, right? Of why a person will become a lover. Why people become lovers of themselves? Because again, we are in this world and we're in a fallen world. And there's something that this world exalts. But let me read, let me let me repeat what I said. Verse, verse four tells us the root cause of this. That is a fellowship or a bonding or a union that has occurred between the person and the ways and patterns of this world. And that happened, that is due to them not being rooted in their God. And when this happens, it brings first a contamination and then eventually it causes the heart to shift from God to that which the world exalts, that is self. No, the world promotes self. Everything is self from the pleasures, from everything. Of course, one of the greatest tools is media. Say, oh, even everything, the way the world loves is self. 
the 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 way the world talks about um educates on different issues you find out that what is when you look at the root of it it is self self is behind it because it has nothing to do with god and anything that does not have any anything or any project or any venture or anything that has nothing to do with god it has nothing to do with life one it has nothing to do with light two it has nothing to do with love because god is love so even when the world is pushing for love outside of god you find out that that love is not true it's fake love because the world's definition of love is not god's definition of love and god's definition of love is true love because love comes from somebody or love is a person right so and when this shift occurs right and it's focused on what the world exalts which is self so when perilous times come remember perilous times is difficult times things become difficult right so instead of these times to push these people further to push people or men further into the arms of the most high into the arms of god because of that shift what kicks in self-preservation kicks in self-preservation is activated and the flesh is used to actualize self-preservation i don't know if that makes sense to us or should I explain further? At this point, let me even let me even pause. Does anyone have anything based on things I've shared or things that I've said? Um, does anyone have anything that they just want to say or share? Even based on your own understanding of the scripture. Please. Um Feel free to do so. Anything it might be a question, it might be a comment, it might be something as I was speaking, maybe God laid in your heart. Please don't be shy. You guys have anything? Okay, there's no one answers. Okay, I guess that's a no. All right. Um, so the next thing, right, that is this is boasters. I want to see the project the, the projection, right? The next thing is boasters. You know, when people walk in the spirit and there is an increase or surplus in the spirit, they make their boast in the Lord because he's their confidence and pleasing and exalting him is their goal. But when people, when we operate in the flesh, when people operate in the flesh and there is surplus or increase, 
what you find is that they make their boast in themselves, in their achievements, what they have done, right? The glory is not to God because the thing is in their hard work. The thing is in their, you know, in their efforts, in their brilliance, their logic, because their confidence is not in God, but is in the arm of the flesh. And like I said, their goal is self-pleasure and self-exaltation. And, you know, surplus or any increase puffs up. Scripture says that knowledge, this is using knowledge as an example, knowledge puffs up. When you meet people who are very brilliant in the world, one thing you will notice is that there's this, there's this arrogance. There's this, there's this, I don't know how to, do, do you guys, do, do you guys agree? Yes. Yes. I recently even have the same, um, I don't know, sorry, stop you. I, no, was no, no, even, I, I was talking to this very, very smart um, professor like a couple of days ago. Mm. Is this, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Is, is very good in maths, like where I live here. I was just, just trying to talk to him, asking him, uh, what does he think about Christianity? Because I uh, just didn't want to start talking about Jesus and all things like that. So, and then it's just started saying, no, he doesn't believe Jesus, uh, about that. He used to go to church when he was a kid, but he really doesn't believe in it anymore. He doesn't believe, how can you tell me Jesus is the son of God, this and that? He just thinks it's a myth and I'm like, Okay, I didn't just want to argue too much with him because there's no way you want to argue mm. with people like that. That will just bring you to foolishness. So you just let him mm. just believe in his own thoughts. How do you want to convince someone who is ninety something about um, things like that? And he feels that he's way way smarter than you. He's achieved so much than you. So mm. I just let him talk what he has to say. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you are right. Mm. What? Well, yeah. Yes. Anyone else has somebody wanted to say something before? Anyone else has an example? You meet people like that, they make their boast in themselves and their achievements and what they know and what they have, right? In in um what I've done, do you know who I am, you know. Um, because that which is supposed to, because human being, eh, you know that we human beings, we can't handle, we can't handle glory outside of God. Remember when I used the example of giving a, giving 20 million to a 10 year old, you, 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 that child will, will become very spot, <laughs> Right? The child will not grow up in the way that because you've given him something that is bigger than him. It's the same way for human beings with glory outside of God. When we get glory outside of God, right? Because God is meant to get the glory and then our glory is in his glory. When he gets the glory, we share in his glory. That's the only way we can that glory doesn't make us perish or make us, does that make sense? Because um, the scripture says that, you know, in our dealings with Jesus, there's a part where the scripture says, 
I've forgotten where it is, um, that the farmer is the first, uh, is the one, he, he partakes of the, of the harvest first. So if a farmer has a farm and he plants uh, crops, before that crop is able to feed others, the crop has to be able to feed the farmer. He feeds from there too. That is how a relationship with, with Christ, he gets the glory and then we glory in his glory. If we get glory outside of his glory, it leads thyself and then things like boasting comes up you know things like um that's what satan tried to do take that which belongs to god for himself of course he was cast out so um when self is exalted the heart is lifted and this leads to the next evil that this scripture uh, 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 mentions, which is what? Pride. Boasting is, is, is a close cousin to pride. So whenever you see all these things, these traits, you realize that what is propelling it, you know that it's not the spirit of God, you know that it is flesh. It is self, it's self that is speaking, but is using the economy of the flesh. So, lovers of money, boasters, proud. They know the proud. Again, those people that speak anyhow, right? Those people that speak anyhow about God are blaspheme. And speak, you know, blasphemous things. Where do you think it comes from? It's from the pride of their own understanding, isn't it? Like when atheists speak anyhow blaspheme about God, because they are proud. Does that make sense? Do we agree? Yeah, that makes sense. I agree. Because hmm. one of the nature of God, which Christ showed, was humility. Bible says that he humbled himself. He, even though he was equal with God, he did not, it's not counted Robert to be equal with God. But though he, but he, what he humbled himself to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. So that's Philippians 2. That is Jesus, who is one with God, one with the Father, who is also God. But he did not, again, because the nature of God is not, pride is not the nature of God. So, of course, wherever you see pride, you will see many of these things. Then he begins to go to different things, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. The only reason, again, the reason why somebody will be unthankful is because, to God, is because also they are full of themselves. <laughs> They're full of themselves. The glory that is supposed to be ascribed to God, they feel, I beg, it's not. Like, that's why you see some people in the world, they are angry 
they get angry when you know maybe something good happens and maybe believers say oh, thank god thank god the thing probably annoys many people what do you mean what did god do is this girl she's the one that you know for example maybe somebody saved somebody from a from a uh, 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 from a critical situation you know and everybody is maybe uh, calling him a hero calling high hero you know say oh now of course for believers who say oh thank god thank god that this person was there for those who <laughs> who don't believe in god and who hate god that statement annoys them like what 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 this has nothing to do with god it is this man it is this woman that did it so where where where, where is god come so you see that they are unthankful again because they are full of themselves unholy unholy means because holy, holy, holy holiness to be holy means to be to be uh, uh, consecrated to be uh, 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 to be set apart unto God alone and his purposes. That's what it means to be holy, to be consecrated or to be set apart unto God and unto his purposes. So, of course, when, when people operate in self, they can never be holy. It's, never, it's not possible because they are set apart unto themselves and not unto God. And they're set apart unto their own purposes, not the purposes of God. So definitely it will lead to them being unholy, unloving. Remember when I said, when we focus on self, we it's like a disconnect happens from God. And God is the source of love, all love. Jesus said something. He said, in the thing is Matthew 24, he said, when he was talking about the end of the age, he said, um, the, he said, iniquity shall abound. When he was talking about iniquity shall abound. And he now says, and the love of many shall wax cold. So iniquity leads to lack of love. And iniquity is when somebody of course, it's like sin is sinning against God. It's so, and that causes a separation. And when that separation happens, they are separated from life. They are separated from love. When they're separated from love, they can't receive that which they need in order to give to others. Because the kind of love that we need, right? The kind of love, when, when, even when God says, love your neighbor as yourself, you find out that you can't do it in your own strength. If I begin to, and that's what the world is trying to do. You know, when the world is pushing for, you know, inclusion, let's be one, um, let everybody be. You find out that these people, many of the people that, even a lot of atheists, people who don't believe in God are pushing for this thing. But anything that is not in God is not true be it the peace that the world is pushing for, be it the love that the world is pushing for. Because everything comes from God. He's the source of peace. How can you achieve peace without the Prince of Peace? <laughs> it's not possible. 
how can you achieve true love without love himself? It's not possible. That means that thing they are trying to do is their definition of love and not the true definition of what love is. Right? So, whenever that disconnect happens, people become unloving. That's why when, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, he's in, he's, he, 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 mentioned to, he mentioned, again, the question was, what is the greatest commandment? Not meant, not S, one. But this is one thing split into two. That's when he says, Matthew 22, from verse 36 to 40. That's when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then I said, and second to this is love your neighbor as yourself. Now he says, love your neighbor as yourself because he was speaking to the scribes because the scribes were not his disciples. Because he said the same thing to his own disciples in John 15, but he didn't say love your neighbor as yourself. He says, love one another just as I have loved you. It makes sense to say love one another just as I have loved you to his disciples because they were his disciples and they would have experienced the love of Christ because they were his disciples. But he couldn't say to the scribes, love your neighbor as I have loved you because they were not his disciples. But he said the same thing, but in a different cover. So the only way that he could say it to the scribes for them to understand what he's saying, right? Because he knew that the scribes were all about themselves, Pharisees, scribes, right? He now said, love your neighbor as yourself. That means to the degree which you love yourself, that is how you should love your neighbor. Many people have um, misunderstood that scripture to say, love yourself first before you love others. No. The emphasis there was others. Jesus was just saying to the degree to which you are meant to love us. He says, love your neighbor the same way, just as you love yourself. So it was the same thing when he said to his disciples. Right? Because those ones were, again, they were concerned about themselves. So in order for them to, for, to un, for, for Jesus to make them understand what he's saying, or what he was trying to say, he, used, he met them where they were, used their own focus self and said the same way you're focused on self. If you focus on others like that, you will fulfill the law of Christ, which is love. So does that make sense before I move on? Yes. Okay. So, and again, begin to move on, unforgiving, again, again. It's the same thing with love. It's only through the grace of God that we're able to truly, truly forgive because we understand that as God forgave us and we have received forgiveness, we are also meant to dispense it to others. Um, but when people, have, when, again, focused on self, that is very difficult. It's impossible. Slanderers without self-control. Self-control is a, is a fruit of the spirit. 
again, when you when a person is disconnected from the spirit, when the person does not operate in the spirit, they cannot bear the fruit of self-control. So they lack self-control, you know, in different areas. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong. Headstrong. Now I wrote something, I think I wrote something about this. Um, headstrong. Um, you know, this headstrong can be very de deceptive. Um, because to be headstrong, right, is to be ener energetically willful and determined. Right? Determination is good, though. Do you understand? Determination is good. But, you know, I've said this before that the way you judge a situation, the way you judge a thing, right? You judge a thing by its root and its fruit, by its motivation and its goal at both ends. Where is it coming from and where is it going to? By its foundation and its destination. That's how you judge a thing. Because Jesus said, by their fruit, you shall know them. So the... You look at a palm tree and a coconut tree, they look very much alike. The only way, even as they look so much alike, the only way you can now differentiate, okay, which one is palm tree, which one is coconut tree, is by their fruit. So that's their fruit. So I just wanted to explain that. So to be headstrong, to be energetically willful and determined, but the question you ask is, where is it coming from? What's motivating it? And what's the goal? In the case of the flesh, it's all about self and not of God. And not God. So some of the, 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 some of the synonyms of the word headstrong you will see are willful, self-willed, strong-willed. This is what drives... This is what drives many people, even the world we're in, maybe especially in the work, you know, in the in the work environment. Is that you know determination to be this, to be that, right? Which, like I said, determination in itself is not bad. Do you understand? Determination in itself is not bad. Is what is fueling it? What is propelling it? What is propelling it? And what's the goal? Now I say these things to the believer, to the one who is not a believer. What I'm saying does not make sense because their focus is not God, their focus is self. So that's about um, headstrong, of course, haughty, related to pride, lifted heart. Now says lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Do you see what I said? The end of self, right, is what? Pleasure, isn't it? And you see that with this, this is what he used to end everything that was mentioned. He starts with 
they were lovers of themselves and it ends with what? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So the end goal, of course, is pleasure, like I said earlier, for self, but not pleasure unto God. But the end goal for when the focus is God is pleasure unto God, which it is, again, we pleasure in the pleasure of God, if that makes sense. So, because of time, let me not, you know, move to, let me not, um, there's still some things, but I will just cut some things off. Um, yes, you want to say something? No, 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 I'm sorry. I was just, I, I shouldn't have cut you short. I was just no, saying no, you No, 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 no. <laughs> you say what? I so said you're on fire tonight. I'm... <laughs> uh, oh, glory to God, my brother. Um, so, like I said, when I was, when I was, when I was studying this and I was, I've studied this before, like I said, beginning, and I know the scripture, know it's saying, but one thing that God was hammering was that self, self. It's, it's, because even in, hmm, you see the concept, the very even the even the very concept of our work with God, which is what which is based on faith, to show you how self is very dangerous. Hmm? Um, the very concept of our work with God, which is based on faith, and faith, as Scripture says, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right. But you see, because of that, God knows that that thing of self. He now went further to define what faith is. He says in scripture, he says, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Emphasis on hearing, right? Meaning the voice of God. Remember Jesus said, man shall not live, man shall not continue in life by bread alone, but by every word that what comes out, that, that proceeds, that comes out from the mouth of God. So meaning the voice of God. The voice of God, and it comes through the Holy Spirit that God has deposited in us. Because it says the just shall live by faith. We are meant to live by faith. So even though it says the sub faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, it now gives us where this hope and this substance supposed to come from, the foundation. That's why it says, from God, faith comes by hearing. Now shows us how that faith is meant to come. It's meant to come by hearing. That's why he used Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. How? Because Abraham heard God. When God says, leave your father's uh, 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 leave your father's house and go to Elana. And he what? He obeyed and went. When God came and said, dude, he did it. This is what it means by Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God, basically. So that's, he operated in that and then he became the father of faith. 
and it is his pattern. It's that pattern of righteousness that we, who are also called children of Abraham, who are in Christ, it is that pattern that has been set for us. It's that pattern that we are mean, meant to follow to also be made righteous. I don't know if I'm making sense. What I just said. I say these things because we've been told before that just, just imagine something and believe it and believe it and believe it. Don't, don't waver in it. Pray on it and you'll get it. Let me ask a question before I continue. Is that faith? Please, oh, let's, let's answer. And please, I wouldn't... Uh, if anyone has any other, any um, a, a different opinion, please don't be shy. Did you hear what I said? The example I gave. Hello. You repeat. So I said. The reason why I said what I said before was that it has been told to us, right? That if you desire something, don't, don't waver, believe it, focus on it, pray on it. And one day you get it if you don't waver. Now I want to ask, is that faith? Sheila says no. Yes, it says no. Does every, other, does every other person agree? Okay, okay. So we're all on the same page. So according to scripture, that's not faith. Right, because it is possible for somebody to will something. Again, this is where what I said before, headstrong, strong-willed, self-willed, determined. It is possible for somebody to will something, imagine something, keep their mind, even pray on it, and then they achieve it and say, oh, thank you, God, thank you. You always come through for your own. <laughs> And think that is fit, right? But the question is, where did it come from? Who was truly exalted or who was truly glorified? And that's why I said, because of how dangerous self is, God also went further. Apart from the definition that I said, faith is the substance of things. Because that's that imagining something and you know, determining to get it and you get it eventually, right? is also the substance of things hoped for. You hope for something. Even though you've not seen it, you, 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 you didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't waver and you were determined to you got it. That is also substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. 
But then God goes further somewhere else in scripture and says, tells us how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. Also give us different examples in Hebrews 11 of, you know, how to, so that it will show us this is what faith, this is the real definition of faith. So to show you how dangerous that self is, God had to, you know, help us with that in scripture. Because self might also try to claim faith, which, you know, it, 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 it does, it's doing for many people who, you know, believe that that is faith. Outside, again, you see that that thing is outside of God. So, um, but let me just move to the cure. You know, when I was studying it, I think it, it was like a warning, it was like a warning for the times that we're in. Because when it says perilous times, right? Dangerous times, difficult times. And, you know, difficult, difficult times, <laughs> Is that we know that Nigerian is it? Will I say adage or proverb that says, in a situation, I make the fish bend, <laughs> right? We know, we know that, yeah, uh, <laughs> even though I don't know who came up with that, I don't know, <laughs> but situations can make can make a person bend, can make a person, you know, uh, someone who is to stand up for, they can bend and choose a compromising way because of, you understand, because of the situation. So he's, I believe he's also saying, giving that scripture to be as a, as a guide, as a warning that in these times, men shall become these. And if you look at the root, it's because they, when you read further into um, when you now read verse 7, it says, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So they, they've, this, they never come to actually take root in God. And to take root in God is to go further, to mature. So there's a responsibility for believers to not remain in salvation's gate, but to go further, to mature, to grow in Christ. Because as the time goes further, the faith that brought you in, right, is not enough to keep you to the end. That's why I said the just shall live by faith, meaning that we shall continue day by day. If I tell somebody that you shall live by jollof rice, if I say that, what does it mean? Does it mean that you eat jollof rice once today and never eat jollof rice again? No. It means that you need to be eating jollof rice every single day, every day, every day. That's how you live, right? We, we live physically by breathing. We need to breathe in. The day we say, okay, I don't want to breathe it again. That's the day that you understand. You, of course, we already know what will happen. The person will suffocate. And it's the same way, you know. But let me just go to... The cure. So the cure. I wrote the cure. I'll try. I'll speed this up. The cure. Let me read a scripture. Is the same James chapter four. We'll so round up. The same James chapter four. From verse six. 
from verse 6 to 10, James chapter 4, from verse 6 to 10, it says, but he, but he, that's God, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So remember I said the nature of God, humility is in the nature of God. Pride, um, being proud is the nature of self. So in order to make that switch, first of all, the best, we have to what? Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. It says when we humble ourselves, that says verse 7, therefore submit to God. The next thing is to yield to God. How? Through the leading of the Holy Spirit. When we yield to the Spirit of God within us, it's through the Spirit of God that we have access to God. So we yield to God. We submit to God in hearts, in mind. It is by this that we are able to resist the devil. That says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts and you, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So the cure is first humility. Humility in all rounds. So in heart and then going back to the first scripture I mentioned about what Jesus said, he who desires to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. So the only way to put down the flesh is through the cross. And the different ways that, you know, we, 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 so it can be through fastings, it can be through, you know, just that, just having that heart, depending on God, trusting in God, and also allowing ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit at every point in time. Of course, all these things cannot be done in our own strength, in our own power. So that's why you see in verse 6, it says, he gives more grace. He gives grace. Remember when we talked about, you know, the word of God, and then we said that we have, you know, a high priest that also sympathizes with our weaknesses. So he says, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace for in times of need. But we have responsibility to continue to move further in God, to press into God, to increase in God, to mature in God and become sons. That is the way we will be rooted so that when perilous times come, yeah, nothing can shake. Nothing can shake us away from God. Nothing can shift the heart away from God and to self. That would be the only difference between people who whose goal is God and whose goal is self. So, yes. Um, yeah, that is it for this from me. Before we start, before we start, does anybody have anything they want to say? Anything, anybody?
comment, question, contribution, anything, please. Please, 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 please. Proceed. No one? Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so I, uh, okay. I have a question, really. Okay. Um, how, how are we able to tell that we are working in self? Self, okay. Yes, um, mm -hmm. as against, because um, based on what you have explained, it is possible to, um, you know, in ourselves, think we are righteous. Mm -hmm. um, but yes. as a matter of fact, we are, yes, we are working in our own understanding. So how are we able to tell that we are working in self and, you know, not according to the patterns of God? Okay. Yes, very, very good question. Um, so what what comes to mind? You know, when, when I said humility, it's because that one too is, is, is a whole, there are more things because of time. Um, so the part, there's a part where the Bible says that the heart of man is desperately wicked, right? Who can know it? But it now says, well, God, you know, uh, so God, I think he says, probes it to know what is in it and gives according to each man. And then when you have that understanding, you understand, you said, how can we know? How can we know? How can you, how can you, the only way you can see in darkness is to shine the light, right? Is to shine the light. And one practical way let me just go straight to practical way that um, one practical way that scripture also says in when David prayed a prayer, I said in Psalm 139, I think verse 23 and 24, if I'm not mistaken. Um, one practical way is presenting our hearts, yielding our hearts to God always. Right? So, before we make, it can become, it can be, you know, it can be a daily thing. First of all, have a koinonia relationship with God, intimate relationship with God, right? Because it's in that closure, it's in that fellowship that we have with God, that God begin, reveals many things. Sometimes, if, you know, uh, there are sometimes that I've, I've, um, I've, I, I thought, you know, I was okay. And then when I'm in the presence of God, when I'm in the secret place, when I'm, you know, communing with God and I yield my heart, and I say, Lord, search my heart. If there be anything, he begins to shine his light. Right? That's one way. There's this thing there. He begins to bring maybe that thing you did. Right? That was done in the flesh. Even though in, in the person's eyes, they, they felt they were right. So it begins to highlight those things. Oh, and it, it becomes, oh God, oh, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for that, right? And then 
other way, you know, Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Other way too is, when you see yourself, right, exhibiting some things, you can, again, it takes humility, it takes great humility and vulnerability before God to spot these things. If somebody is not humble, they will not spot it. So the, the, the gateway is, first of all, the humility of, and true humility is when nobody is seeing you, it's the one you have between you and God. Before the humility that people see outside is because you're already practicing it in secret with him. Because we need to understand that our first audience is God before any man. Before any man, the first audience is God. So if one is upright is, you know, in God, they will definitely be upright in public. So those are practical ways, yielding our hearts to God, allowing him, you know, free way in our hearts, not being afraid or ashamed. You understand? That's why it says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy. Because mercy is a tool that we need. And then find grace in times of need. So he's the only, he's many times, he's the one that can spot this. Okay, there's this thing. Ah, anger. Oh, pride. The way you did this, did this, right? Also, when we want to do things, right? We go to God, God, what is your will concerning this? You understand? Because it says, those, those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So being led by the Spirit of God, operating in the Spirit. But the foundation for anybody is to start, of course, to know what the Word of God says. I mean, the written Word of God, build the foundation on that. And it's on that foundation that the Holy Spirit can come and begin to speak. I don't know if, if that... Um, so fruit, they all start with humility. It all starts with humility, humbleness of the heart, yielding it to God. Because if if He doesn't show, if He doesn't show us, we, we won't know. We cannot know. We have no. And you see, as this also happens with time, you see, God begins to now bless the person with discernment. Discernment is key. Discernment. And discernment comes from when you, when you have when you, a, a consistency in practicing the word of God. Let me quickly just read a scripture concerning that discernment. It's in Hebrews. Hebrews. Um, because discernment helps to spot those, again, those, you, you can discern where something is from and where some, you know, you have, again, being sensitive to the leading and to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And that comes with intimacy, deep intimacy. You know, a husband and wife can be so close, so close, so intimate, right? Because, because they're intimate, that, there will come a point in time that the wife understands when the husband 
you know, does his face wrong somehow, she knows what that means. Or when the wife, you know, moves her eyebrow somehow, does somehow, he knows what it means without she even saying anything. Does that make sense? Now their, their communication has become uh, 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 incognitive. Did that, I don't know if that's, uh, if that, um, if that answered your question. Yes, it did. Thank you. Okay. We thank God. We thank God. So the scripture I wanted to read for that segment is quickly Hebrews 5 um, from verse 13 to 14. It says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled, that is not skilled, in the word of righteousness, that is in knowing what is good from evil, in the word of righteousness, or knowing what is right, right before God. Anyone who partakes only of milk. So this is also what I said about every believer has a responsibility to grow, to press in, in God, to go deeper, to increase, to mature in God. Because as you mature in God, you also mature in with his wisdom. He begins to, you understand, he blesses you with understanding, with wisdom, with knowledge, with all the things that he, with also discernment. He said, for, for he is a babe. 14 says, but solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is those who by reason of use, that is by reason of practice or use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So by reason of practice, practice of what? The word, practice of that which God tells them to do. So, I hope that also helps in that um, in the answer to that question. But it's a it's a very key question. It's a, it's, a, it's a key question, and thank you for that question. Um. Okay. Does anyone still have anything you want to say before we now just pray? Even though uh, time is fast spent. Anything, anything? Okay, I guess not. Um, so let's just, let's just. Let's just begin to thank God, you know, for his word. Let's just begin to thank God for his word that we have received. Um, for his word brings light and understanding to the simple. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I just thank him for the things that we have 
received from him today. A lot has been said. Quite a lot has been said. But that which he wants us to, you know, retain everything that he will help us to retain in the name of Jesus. That the light which has shone in our hearts will never go dim, will never be put out in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your light. We thank you for understanding, for wisdom, for knowledge. We thank you, God, for your presence. Let's also pray, our Lord, help me always to not operate in self, but in Christ. Help me not to walk in the spirit. Help me to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Yes, for it says when we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Therefore, we will not even be on the road that leads to self. Yes. Oh God, we ask that you help each person. Help each one, oh God, to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. In the name of Jesus, we ask for grace. We ask for grace. We ask for grace in the name of Jesus. Yes. We ask for grace not to operate in self. Yes. So that even in perilous times, even in the times that we're in, nothing will make us bend. Nothing, no situation, no circumstance, no disappointment, no heartbreak, nothing at all will make us bend. Help us to take root in you, in the name of Jesus. Help each person to take root in you, oh God, in the name of Jesus. To be deeply rooted, that our trust will be in you. Our hope will be you. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He shall be like Mount Zion that cannot be moved. That is unshakable, that abides forever. Because Mount Zion is the city of God. And the city of God, built by God, is rooted in God. So it cannot be shaken. Therefore, anyone who trusts, who puts their trust in God, will also take their root in God. They shall be like Mount Zion, that they shall not be moved. Oh God, we ask the grace to be rooted in you, to trust in you. That our hope would be you. You will be our source. You will be our desire. You will be our goal. Yes. At the times, any time that we're in, any circumstance, any situation, instead of making us bend, it will even push us, let it push us deeper and deeper into you, into your arms, into your grace, in the name of Jesus. That you will continue to uphold us, 
with your righteous right hand in the mighty name of Jesus. But any plan, any plotting, any attack of the enemy, anything sent forth by the enemy to cause one to operate, to push one to operate in the flesh, that we come against them in the name of Jesus. We come against them in the name of Jesus. Because, you know, the enemy can, situations can make people operate in the flesh, and the enemy sends doubts, unbelief, and all these things. Fear. And these are the things that the enemy uses to manipulate the soul. To what? To begin to now look away from God and say, ah, God takes too much time. And then they begin to trust in the flesh. They begin to trust. So whatever plan of the enemy, orchestrated by hell, orchestrated by demons, to cause any of us, cause anyone that concerns us to operate in self, that we come against it with the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus against their works. That our minds, our hearts, our souls, they are hidden in Christ. In the name of Jesus, they are secure in Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, it's one prayer I forgot to pray before, even before all of these. Um, let me 